Oh, gee, it's nice to be back for the new year. A big welcome, Cheryl Shaw, Dr. Kimberly Earle. Lovely to see your faces again. Thank, Thank you, you, Sarah. It's great to be back. It's nice. We've got a big year ahead for Pet Chat, don't we? As we have. always. But Cheryl, you've come in today and you've made me laugh. What are we discussing? Mm, we're getting down to the business end. Ah, it's business. Mm -hmm. It's business time and not the other business time. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I guess a lot of people have been out and about with their pets, so we're going to look at um, being responsible pet owners, perhaps. That's right. Cleaning up that poo. Good on you. And Kimberly, what are we chatting about later on today? Well, it's a new year and lots of new puppies and kittens around, so we're going to talk about getting off to the right start with your new pet. Ah, because it is important to set those routines early, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Good advice coming your way if you're in that situation. And Anne from Rawworth, you've given us the call you've got a problem going on with your pooch well yes we do unfortunately our um, lovely little staffy she has decided after seven years that she can climb the fence um so we're my poor husband's been working <laughs> diligently trying to solve that problem but in the meantime she's actually heard a pause okay um she's cut the pads a little bit yeah and she like there's no sign of infection, and she sits and licks them. But I was just wondering if there was anything you could suggest I do. Yeah, we to need help to her. we need to actually stop the licking. It's a it's a bit of a false um a false truth that people know that if they say that dogs' mouths are clean and they lick their wounds and make them better. But actually, that's the the exact opposite of oh. what we want. Um, the licking is actually likely to contaminate the wound with bacteria from her mouth and actually make it worse. And it also keeps the the wounds moist. And bacteria love a warm, moist environment. So we actually want to, um, you know, maybe pop into your local vet, um, pick up a, an e-collar, one of the, you know, the cone of shame. Um, or some of the pet shops have the donut style now um, cones that you can get. So oh, you, yes. you blow them up like a donut so that she's not licking at her foot. Um, and keep an eye on it. it. It's a bit of a um, feet are a hard thing because every time they put pressure and walk on them, it spreads the pads and so it opens up the wound. So they can take a good sort of few weeks to get better if she's done a decent, um, you know, done a decent job of it. I don't recommend bandaging at home. There's a lot of complications that we can see with bandaging. If it's bleeding persistently or looking infected, then no, take her into no. your vet. But yeah, I would usually, the, the best thing you can do really would just be um, to prevent her from licking at it. And if she's not hurt them bad enough that she's limping she probably doesn't need pain relief but we want to try to prevent that licking if we can oh okay then yeah well thank you because we were yeah, thinking that that was a good sign yeah sort of thing, no unfortunately no. that's likely to, just, to delay the healing mm. yeah good okay. one okay that's, okay, it's a cone head for your for pup, I think, at the moment. <laughs> the only way to go. Four nine two one six two one six. If you've got any concerns or questions for your pets, Dr. Kimberly Earle to answer those. Now, Cheryl, uh, it does get on everyone's goat, and we're talking about irresponsible pet owners when it comes to picking up your dog's poo. Yeah, and this has been in the topic since we've been on holidays from Pet Chat. The um, down in. Melbourne at the Geelong Council, they've actually made it their number one project to hit on people that are not cleaning up their dog poo. Now, many councils are actually following suit, so it's really important. The onus is on the owner to pick up that dog poo. We've got to be aware that our public places are for sharing, so it's nothing worse than if you go for a walk or a jog and, you know, you, you stand in something, cleaning out the treads on your joggers oh, is just revolting. That's exactly right. But a few other things happen. We know that dog faeces contain bacteria and this bacteria and, and, and sometimes worms. This will get into the environment as well. So, you know, we want to make sure that everything's left really clean mm. for other people to be using. The other thing that um, that is important is, you know, 
make sure when you are walking your dog, whether it's on leash or off leash, that you do take bags with you because a lot of people don't actually carry poo bags with yeah, them. Yeah, that's an essential. It is. And, you know, take multiples, not just one. Your, your dog might decide it needs to, you know, do another one on the way home or before it gets home. So it's very important. Now, some councils are actually going to be fining people who don't carry a poo bag with them. So this oh, is right. part of the new thing okay. that's starting in Victoria and no doubt will come through to New South Wales that, you know, you they're going to be checking. The, the rangers will be checking to see if you have adequate um, equipment with you to clean up your dog poo. So there has been a lot of discussion both on radio and in the newspaper um, all over Australia about you know this cleaning up of the dog poo. There's also been talk about not putting it in other people's bins. Well, you know, that's a personal thing. But, you know, yeah. I think as long as you're cleaning up the dog poo, we're really <laughs> helping out the situation. Du- double bag it. Yeah, <laughs> double bag it. You know, I went down to pick up three puppies in Wangaratta last year getting my, my new little um, Avalon. And I stopped at the dog at the tucker box at, um, yes. at Gundagai. It was revolting there. Obviously, it's a really big stop for a lot of people travelling to Victoria or down mm, to yes. Melbourne. The amount of feces, I mean, it's not obviously the owner's situation yes. there. It's it's the, the public who are taking their dogs for a pit stop and they just leave the dog poo everywhere. It was really terrible. So obviously it didn't stop there on the way back with three young puppies. Mm. But it certainly mm. is a worry that um, people just are becoming very lax about cleaning up their dog poo. And unfortunately, I know for some people it's a case of, oh, is anybody watching? Because if not, let's get out of here yeah. really quickly. But it's not hard... Um, to take your bags. I've got one of those bones that holds a whole yeah. heap of has bags a roll. in it. Yeah, yeah. it has a roll. Look, I have been caught out before um, where I've thought that I've had bags in there and there's not. And, I mean, that's awkward. You yes. think, what am I going to do? Am I going to use my hands to pick this up? But it is. It's about checking that you've got the bags when you're going walking. Yep. Um, a lot of places provide them too. Yes. Um, you'll see that there's bags where you can grab some. Yep. So it is. It's yeah. just you've got to do it because it, it just makes it gross for everybody and for pet owners that want to do things with their pets yeah and currently there's a fine i mean everybody must be aware that there's a yeah. fine it's 275 dollars um that's an on-the-spot fine or if it goes to the local court it's 880 dollars mm, okay. so you know these things start to if you would basically if you deny it or you don't pay the fine and then it goes to court well it's you know it's getting up mm. there in the money so getting back to you know don't forget to scoop that poop it's a really important message to people mm-hmm. you know and, and we don't want um, poo going into our waterways we, we certainly don't want you know any more e coli than we need to have in our waterways yeah. and just making sure that everybody's just out there doing the right thing and avoiding fines yeah there's, there's some other really good points about that um you know you were talking about um, worms and bacteria yes. viruses so we know that the number one sort of viral killer of dogs is parvovirus and particularly in our Newcastle area it's still really prevalent. Um, Parvovirus is a virus that will live in the soil for for greater than 12 months after a dog has pooped there. So there's there's a stool there and over time, I mean, it doesn't take very long for, you know, the sun and things to get rid of it and a bit of rain. Um, But you can have a well dog because they'll, they'll potentially have parvovirus for maybe four to seven days before they start to show clinical signs. That dog might poop at the park. The poop gets left there. Um, it, the virus then stays active in the soil for potentially 12 months. Um, and your new puppy, you take your puppy to the dog park. Um, he has a nice little sniff there because he can smell where, the, where that feces was. And that's how lots of puppies come down with okay. parvovirus. So, yeah. um, you know, poo is, is a really, you know, we sort of think about it as just being, it's just poo. But um, lots of biologically active agents and 
and things in there. And what you were saying about poo going into our waterways, it's not just the poo going in and the bacteria going into our waterways, but think about all the dogs who are on um, antibacterials and things like that. Bacterial resistance um, from, you know, inadvertently from yes. dog poo getting into the waterways, then um, the water gets treated and, yeah. and it does, it get ba- gets back to us. And then we're going to see more and more problems with chemicals in our water um, antibacterials, antiparasitics, those sorts of yeah. things. So and really nutrients important. as well there. The nutrients that are in that dog feces as yeah. well create a problem to, yeah. to the environment. But on the dog's part, and I would like to say to them if they're listening, like, can you stop doing it when the hot guy's <laughs> jogging past and you have to bend over and you're pooping up scoop? Like, I'm all about it. I get that it's part of it. But every time, busload yeah. of people stopped and they're watching you pick up the poo. It's like, oh, gizzy. <laughs> Just part of being a dog owner. Yeah, mm. it's just etiquette. We need to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. We're going to go to Sue now from Charm Haven. You've got a question about cutting your dog's nails. Yes, hello. Um, when we, we take our dog to the vet to get her nails cut, yeah. um, and then she's got some dark-coloured nails which either don't seem to get cut, mm-hmm. cut as short as yeah. the other nails. Yeah. I was just wondering if there was something we could do with that because they just seemed to make a slide on the floor a lot. Yeah, it's a hard thing because dark nails, um, you know, they're obviously they're a lot harder to see uh, um, the blood vessel through. And we want to always avoid cutting the blood vessel because that also there's a nerve that travels along with it and it can cause the dog pain. And obviously, if you if you clip that, it hurts them and they bleed, but also they become foot shy and they really um, start to dislike having their nails trimmed. And no dog ever really likes it but a lot of dogs will tolerate it. Um, it depends a little bit on the on the skill and confidence of the person doing it as well. So, um, you know, certainly I know I have some nurses who are more experienced and are happy to, to go back and, and take those sort of dark nails um, back a little bit at a time until they're fairly confident that they've taken as much as they can. Um, other people really just take the tiniest little bit tip off of the off of the tip because they're really not brave enough. And, and our feeling is generally that... Um, in most situations, you know, nails and dogs, they're important. But in most situations, um, you know, trimming them back a little bit is, is going to be sufficient so that they're not having major dramas. Um, if your nails are really, you know, if your dog's nails are really quite long and bothersome, then I would have a discussion with your vet about is there some way we can can do this to get them done a little bit further. Um, maybe the dog requires a um, a other anesthetic treatment of some sort. So we, um, in our practice, we make it mandatory that any dog that's under anesthesia has their nails trimmed. We don't want to miss that opportunity. And it affords us an opportunity to trim the nails back further in a controlled environment where they're not aware of it and the dog is still and they're not bouncing around like a pork chop. And so we, you know, we get the opportunity to, to take those nails back nice and short. Um, so it may be that you can have a chat with your vet about whether they can, um, you know, bring that up to them and say, like, we're, we're concerned that these nails are still too long. Is there any way we can um, do it? maybe under sedation or with a more senior person or some a vet supervising or maybe the dog needs a dental in the next sort of three to six months and can we get the nails trimmed back really short while they're having a dental that sort of thing yeah mm. another thing sue that you may be able to try from a home point of view is filing the nail and yeah. if you're just filing a little bit away each time you might find that um, you're not going to affect that quick at all mm. and um, and that might take some of the length off that you're concerned about oh yeah. Then yeah, I will try that. And, um. <laughs> See what Can we expect our our animals to be going crazy? I don't know. Um, Sean, I don't know. My husband would. 
I, I never had any lectures about full moons and dogs at university. I certainly have had many, many people tell me that their dogs go crazy if, you know, are a little bit bonkers at the full moon. Um, I haven't seen it in my dogs, so I'd be interested to see what people say. I'm sure I'll hear all about it tomorrow. Well, if you're my husband, that's not true. There's no science to back that up. Uh, let's get to Terry from Cooks Hill. Now, how can Kimberly help you? Oh, hello. Um, I have an almost 12-year-old Staffy, mm-hmm. and for quite a few years now, he's been chewing up every single bed that we buy him. Mm-hmm. I'm over buying beds, so yep. I've taken to putting down towels for him. Yep. He also rips them to shreds. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> is, he, is he chewing up um, like the... Um, the platform beds, like the the um, hanging beds, or what kind of beds is it? Like soft, no, fluffy things? No, he, he he scratches at them. Yep. Uh, the platform ones. Mm-hmm. So we've, um, yeah, we're just. It doesn't matter what bed he has; he just doesn't seem to like it and mm. just chews it to shreds. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's a major issue. I my dog has she has beds, she has blankets, she has a nice piece of carpet by the front window where she likes to lie. Um, but most of the time she chooses to lie on the hard floor in the kitchen. And, you know, I guess um, certainly from a foreign body um, ingestion standpoint, we we really want to avoid them um, chewing up and, and ingesting beds and towels and fluffy things. Um, mm. 12-year-old dogs, you know, as they start to get older and start to have arthritis, we always think that it would be really nice to give them a nice soft spot to lie. Um, and if they like it, then great. If they don't, that's fine. You know, I, I don't think we need to get too hung up about it. Um, it's not like we're living in... Canada in winter where you know where we want to avoid them lying on the cold ice so um, I know it's chilly in in winter here but you're probably going to get enough if you can maybe keep a coat on them or something like that without chewing it's hard to know um, yeah. so yeah I, I, th- I think it's one of those things that if he's destroying things um, and not appreciating them then I wouldn't worry about it you know and if if he's um, happy lying wherever he likes to lie then go for that if you're happy to tolerate one of the hammock beds and and the, chew- the scratching at it doesn't bother you and he uses it then great um you know he'll if if he gets older and stiff and sore he'll probably change his behavior if he feels that he needs a soft place to lie and other than that he's probably he'll he'll be okay oh okay (laughs) yes i i do worry that with him laying on the concrete all the time that he's um might end up arthritic. Mm. Lying um, on concrete's not going to cause it. He may still develop arthritis, but it won't be from lying on concrete. It'll be from other, uh, you know, internal factors. So that's fine. I mean, you know, there's there's no um, requirement for him to have a bed, you know, so, as such. We like to do it and we like to think that, you know, we like to lie in a soft bed and we like to give our pets the opportunity to do the same thing. But if he's not um, not treating them with respect or doing things that are potentially dangerous for him, then just skip it. It'll be fine. Terry, maybe oh, he wants to hop in with you. <laughs> He's not allowed in. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that, Terry. <laughs> All right. Thank okay. you for the call. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. 49216216. It is Pet Chat today. We do have a free line if you've got a question for Kimberly. Now, Kimberly, uh, we're looking at new pets. Yes. And a lot. You said you've just inundated with puppies and kittens yeah, at the moment over Christmas. Yeah, the last few weeks have been lots and lots of puppies and kittens and new, new pets from the... You know, Christmas and holiday period, so it's lots.
lots of fun. Are they all getting dissexed and uh, not yet? But a lot of vaccinated and, <laughs> yeah. and getting all their routine health stuff under under control. And um, you know, lots of people are starting out as new pet owners, so it's not uncommon for people to come in and say, "We got this puppy. The kids are old enough now. We got this puppy. I've never had a dog before. I don't know what to do." So just thought we'd have a little chat about how to get your new pet off on the right foot. And this is, um, you know, mostly we see puppies and kittens and things, but um, we see rabbits and birds and other uh, things yes. too. So it, it's, you know, there's things that you can do for any new pet to get them off on the right um, on the right track. So the first thing I would say is hopefully prior to getting your new pet, you've done a little bit of homework and you know a little bit of what to expect. You might know um, what kind of lifespan. Certainly, I hope you know a little bit about feeding your pet, um, what kind of caging or housing requirements they might have. Um, so that's a really important thing. If you haven't done that beforehand, then I'd certainly recommend doing that straight away, looking up your breed or your species and finding if there's any sort of um, particular things we need to be looking at. Sure. Um, feeding is obviously a really basic thing. Everybody needs to eat and drink to stay alive. So um, we want to make sure that, um, certainly with puppies and kittens, that they're on a good quality puppy um, food or kitten food. Um, Australia has a um, quite a habit, Australians in general, or there's an Australian culture of feeding a lot of um, cooked food or raw food mm. and stuff on top. And and that's okay to a certain degree, but please let's remember that um, there's been a lot of science in the last 40 years going into good quality dog and cat foods and bird foods and rabbit foods and things like that. And um, when you add a bunch of extra stuff from your kitchen on top of your dog's foods, you're actually diluting out a lot of those um, very essential micronutrients, things that have been balanced very carefully in a puppy food and a kitten food, um, and you're actually diluting that out. So the foods are often meant to be fed as 100% of the diet, um, and you're probably not going to cause too much drama if they're getting it fed as sort of um, 80 to 90% of the diet. But much more than that, you really are going to start to see if you're feeding a 50-50 combination of um, you know stuff out of your own kitchen and 50-50 puppy and kitten food, you really will f probably find that um, your pet is at risk for micronutrient deficiencies and things like that. So um, just be, have, have that in mind. We don't need to make feeding complicated. Everybody likes to think that they're doing the best thing for their pet by feeding them out of the ta off, you know, out of the kitchen, off the table. And you get told so um, many different things. Yeah, like you, you sure should do. be getting them special yeah. food, and you're like, oh, absolutely. So, um, but just have a think about it. it. Doesn't need to be complicated, and you're probably doing your pet a, um, a bit of a favor by keeping their diet, particularly if they're in a real um, active growth phase, and particularly for large breed puppies. Really, really essential that they are predominantly on a large breed puppy food. Um, the the growth uh, rate that can happen if we're on a just a mishmash of foods is, is really quite extraordinary and can lead to quite um, profound bone problems. Okay. So um, really, really important for those large breed puppies. Um, but really any um, young pet, we want them to be on a good quality puppy food. We want them to be drinking water. Um, the pet food industry would have us believe that puppy milk and kitten milk um, is fantastic, but really it's kind of like if you just fed your kids chocolate milk or strawberry milk oh, all the time. Okay. okay, They get no nutritional benefit from it. We want puppies and kittens to be drinking water. We want rabbits to be drinking water, birds to be drinking water. Change the water every day. Make sure it's nice and fresh that doesn't have um, mold and algae growing in the, in the container, mm. um, but get them drinking water as soon as possible. Um, health examinations, health checks. So ideally, even if your puppy or kitten isn't due for vaccinations, um, you know, for four weeks or something, I would always recommend go and get your pet checked out by a vet early on in the piece okay. so that you're aware of um, 
what kind of requirements are recommended. So many people might not realize that puppies should be getting wormed or dewormed, but wormed puppies and kittens every two weeks from the time they're six weeks of age, four to six weeks of age, up until 12 weeks of age. If you pick up a puppy that's eight weeks and they've just had a vaccination and you're not due to see the vet for another four weeks and you don't know that information, you're going to miss out on some really key um, worming, you know, sort of time frames. Flea and tick prevention. We're still in tick season. It's a cooler day today, but we're certainly still um, in tick season. We want everybody to be on some sort of flea and tick prevention. Heartworm is a really diff- different thing as well. So heartworm is different to intestinal wormers. Some intestinal wormers will cover heartworm, others won't. Um, and we want in Australia everybody to be on protection for heartworm as well. And things like microchipping. So um, the worst thing you can do is to have a puppy that's not microchipped um, or a kitten that's not microchipped because your family will be devastated if that puppy gets out of the house and we've got no way to try to contact mm. you um, because there's no microchip there. So get the microchipped early. People always get really worried that there's a big needle now. Um, lots of vet hospitals, certainly mine does. We use mini chips now. Um, I've done loads of puppies in the last few weeks and hardly do I get any kind of a response. I hardly even get a squeak or a um, you know, a cry from them from putting that needle in. And I think it's a really important thing yeah. to do. It's one of the best things Australia How early on can you do that? Oh, you can do it from four to six weeks of okay. age. So most puppies and kittens should be um, being sold with microchips. It's, it's actually law in New South Wales yep. um, that they're not supposed to be rehomed from the original breeder or owner without a microchip. That and doesn't mean it's happening. Yes. There's not a, not people policing it very well, um, but you know it should it should definitely. And be you done. update the information with the council. Is with that council, that yeah. There's so some long. forms that we can help um, help you do. Um, in fairness, I'm not up to date with their new online system. We still use paper system because it's much easier from our standpoint um but yeah a lot of it can be done online okay. as well so and that goes as well for rabbits and it goes for birds as well and people don't think sometimes of microchipping those more exotic species but um it's really sad i'm on some facebook groups where you see all the the lost birds in the newcastle hunter region um there's birds every single day and i mm. i don't pipe up but i often think if those birds were microchipped, you'd have a better chance of mm. getting them rehomed back to their owner. It's very hard to, you know, lots of um, lorikeets and lots of eclecticism and things around. So it would be much easier to get them back to their people. And we can microchip birds and we can, mi- can and do microchip rabbits as well. Some really good tips around new pets. Now it's time to go to the phones. We've got Marie from Cardiff. You've got a question for Pet Chat about your Persian cat. Thank you for waiting. Okay, good morning. Oh, no, good afternoon. <laughs> what can we do for you, Marie? I was just wondering if it was appropriate to have her trimmed. Oh, well, it, it depends a little bit on you and depends a little on her. So... Um, Persian cats, if they are well groomed and they're not getting matted and she enjoys, you know, having brushing, they, they often don't need to. I mean, they're sort of designed to be long haired cats. Um, probably if she's an inside cat and, you know, there's a bit of air con on, then she may not feel the heat from it. Uh, but a dif- bit of a different story if she's an outside cat, if she's spending a fair bit of time outside, she's more likely to get um, burrs and thorns and prickles and stuff through her, her you know, fur. Um, or if she doesn't tolerate and doesn't like being brushed, then matting is a real important thing. So it depends a little bit on the cat. So if she's got a nice coat that you can get a brush through and she's not tangled up, then she, there's no need to trim her. Um, but if she's not really a fan of being brushed and she's getting matted, then that is really important because they can get quite um, nasty skin problems underneath those mats. In that case, uh, I would get her done a couple times a year, yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Thank you very much. No Thank worries. you very much. And before we take a quick break, we will go to Anne uh, from Singleton. Now, you've got some issues with your two older dogs, Anne. Yes, that's right. Um, one of the older one of the two keeps on a- attacking 
every now and then for no apparent reason, the younger one. Mm-hmm. Now, they've grown up together and they're 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. And this is only something that's happened in about the last 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. What the younger one can just walk into the room, and the other one will just suddenly yeah jump up and attack him. Attack him. So it can be. This can be. Um, it's really so complicated. Too small, dog. Too too small, small dog. And are they desexed or are they entire? Oh uh, yes, they've been desexed. desexed. For Great. Yeah. Long time. Okay. So listen, I mean, there can be multi, multiple different things going on here. So um, older dogs often are not hearing as well. And so we can certainly see issues with startling. And so it may be that the older dog is becoming startled somehow by the, the younger, slightly younger no, dog coming no, in. not at all. Not no, at all. No, okay. No. Um, certainly we, we do see cognitive decline or dementia in some of these dogs. And so the reasoning well, and the anxiety. Mm. Yeah. And, and anxiety gets worse in dogs as they get older. So it may be that as a younger dog or even a middle-aged, um, or, or senior dog, we didn't have significant anxiety problems. But now that we're getting older, um, that can crop up. And, and anxiety can really, um, be displayed in very different ways in dogs than you would sort of, um, think and certainly different to what we'd see in humans. So it may be that um, there's some something causing anxiety, um, uh, mental anxiety. It may be that the older dog has some pain somewhere and he's worried that he's giving the other dog a, like, don't come near me because I'm worried that if you come near me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt. My back might hurt, my neck might hurt, my hips might be sore. Um, so we, we can the see some of those things. The one doesn't fight back in any way either. Yeah. I, I would go and get both dogs, but probably the older one for sure, checked out by your local vet. Um, because there are some some sometimes anti-anxiety medications that can be really helpful in these situations as well. It hasn't worked. Oh, okay. goodness. Well, then, I mean, there's certainly, you're in Singleton, and I don't know that yeah. there's any behavior of a specific vets in Singleton, um, but you could certainly do, there's some people who will do online behavior consults and certainly some specialists in Sydney that you could um, speak to and see if they've got any ideas as well. Now, Kimberly, before we um, have to leave Pet Chat mm-hmm. for another week, we have been looking at getting new pets, and we're going going through the checklist of some of the things we should be doing. Yeah, so we've talked a little bit about um, what to feed and that sort of thing. So the other thing that's really important is um, how to play with your new pet. And this is particularly important if you're in a family that has children. Lots of people decide the kids are old enough, we're going to get a pet. I think um, getting your pet off to the right start with appropriate play and teaching appropriate behaviours is really important. So regardless of whether we're talking about um, puppies or kittens, we want to um, keep in mind we want to have calm um, calm playtime with these guys mm. and everybody can remember having the puppy that wants to bite at your hands and mm. jumping around and things like that so we really want to teach our pets what is appropriate behavior and that we want to encourage the appropriate behavior and discourage the inappropriate behavior and we never use punishment punishment is not something we do with our pets anymore yep. but we can certainly um, use techniques like ignoring them or timing them out and so if you've got a happy puppy and they're jumping around and they're trying to bite at your hands we want to take our hand away and we want to replace that with a puppy um, safe toy okay um, chew toys are really good I would never I had a client ask this week um, the puppy likes to chew thongs can we give it old thongs and just not new thongs I said no don't give it any thongs because puppies will have a hard time differentiating which thongs they're allowed to chew uh, on yeah, right yep. so we want we want to have dog specific toys we want to have cat specific toys with cats we want to be careful about rough play with cats we want to make sure that we're not um, encouraging them to bite at our hands, to mm. scratch and to attack. So I always think that cat play is best done at the end of a stick with a string um, or a toy that you toss and let them chase. Cats do play chasing and killing and hunting games. We want to have them not trying to hunt and chase and kill 
us we want them to be doing it to toys <laughs> the thing I would say if you've got a stick with a string on the end of it put that away when you're not supervising it we certainly see string foreign bodies in cats really commonly uh, yep. so have a really good play time with your cat let them chase let them play um, but then pop that string away with new bunnies new birds things like that we want to always be supervising children particularly having sitting down close to the ground we don't want to have anybody dropped and that goes really for everybody no dropping them so supervising your mm. children particularly with young animals too when they're little. and they absolutely need rest so make sure you have good play times but lots of rest time as well Kimberly some great advice there if I was getting a new puppy I'd know exactly what to do this time <laughs> round okay I think that's it for Pet Chat today Cheryl Shaw thank you for coming in Dr Kimberly thank Earl you. lovely to have you both in here it has we'll be back same time next week of course thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.